welcome to my home. And as I say each week, I'm, I'm so thankful, whether it's your first time or you're a regular attender, that you have invited us into yours. Now, last week, we took a look at a story uh, that's found in Matthew chapter 7, a parable that Jesus told about two builders, one who was wise and one who was foolish. The foolish builder, Jesus said, built their house on sand. And that house, when the, the storms came and the streams rose and the wind blew against it, it fell with a great crash. It collapsed, Jesus says. But the, the, the wise builder didn't build on sand, but they built instead on rock. They found a solid foundation. And when those same storms came and the streams rose and the wind blew against that house, it stood firm because it was built on the solid foundation. And Jesus said, the one who hears his words and puts them into practice, hears and obeys, they're like the builder, the wise builder, the one who built on the rock. But the one who hears his words and doesn't put them into practice, well, just as the foolish builder's house came crashing down, so too will the life of a person who doesn't build on obedience to the teaching of Jesus. Well, that idea of how important it is for have the right, to have the right foundation for our life, certainly in times of crisis, and we're experiencing one right now with the global pandemic, but in all times of life and even into eternity, the priority of that is a theme that I'd like to kind of continue talking with you about today. You know, when Jesus came on the scene for his public ministry, uh, Mark records in his gospel, chapter 1, verse 15, that Jesus said, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. The time is fulfilled. Time is kind of interesting. Mostly we think of it as a chronological progression, right? Like days, hours, seconds, minutes, we measure time that way. We think about yesterday, today, tomorrow. As we consider our existence, we think about our birth, our, our life, and our death. And that's one way to understand time. In fact, that's the Greek word chronos, and it's used in Scripture in the New Testament. But there's another word and another way to understand time, not just as that chronological progression, but instead as a season of opportunity. Not just a succession of moments, but this alternative way of understanding time found in the Greek word kairos, which implies that which time gives an opportunity to do. That's the word that Mark uses when he records Jesus saying the time is fulfilled. It implies not the convenience of the season, like, oh, this is a good time for me to do that. Yeah, it's convenient. I can fit it into my schedule. But instead, it implies more like the necessity, the urgency, the priority of the task at hand. Whether or not the, the chronos <laughs> provides a good, convenient opportunity for it or not, Kairos says, now is the time because it's something that's urgent. There's a priority to it. There's a necessity to it. And hopefully you can hear that when Jesus says the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. The scholars point out to us that unfortunately, there's really no good English equivalent for the Greek word kairos. There's no really good one-to-one -one understanding. But I, I have found this little phrase that someone came up with about Kairos to be helpful, and maybe it'll help you too, to get your mind around this, uh, what Kairos is all about. One person says, Kairos is when eternity 
steps into time. When eternity steps into time. You can see that here in what's happening as Jesus' public ministry is beginning. And that's what happens oftentimes in our lives. Something breaks in to our normal everyday experience. Like sometimes it's something, something as horrific as uh, a worldwide disaster. And in those moments, when we experience a Kairos moment, oftentimes it's a window into the world. Like I'm, so I'm standing here talking to you today, I'm looking out my front window. Uh, there were some geese that walked by a few minutes ago. Uh, the occasional car goes by. I see some walkers, runners, dog walkers. So it, I see the things that are happening outside my window. And Kairos moments are like that. They show us things about the world, about what's happening, about our neighbors, and sometimes even about God himself. Not only are Kairos moments oftentimes a window to see the out, but they're also a mirror to see within, to show us something about ourselves. Certainly, the most amazing, dramatic, significant, and dramatic, significant, and important Kairos moment that has ever happened in the history of humanity is when Jesus came to the world. Paul describes that in his letter to Timothy. Timothy was his son in the faith. He was his protege. He was a young pastor. And he wrote to Timothy referring to this moment of, of, of the life and, and, and death of Jesus when he said this, there was one God and one mediator so that human beings can reach God. That way is through Christ Jesus, who is himself human. He gave himself as a payment to free all people. He is proof that came at the right time. Kairos, by the way. This Kairos moment, when eternity stepped into time, when the one who was, is, and always shall be, God himself, took on flesh and invaded our spatio-temporal reality. When he became human, truly it was eternity stepping into time, the normal progression of the human, human race and the normal uh, history timeline was interrupted by God himself. And he put the entire human race forever in the spin cycle. And as Jesus did that, when he came to earth and he said those words, the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand. He finished that verse, Mark finished that verse with, with Jesus saying these words, the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand, repent and believe the good news. Repent and believe the good news. That was Jesus' message to his original hearers when he walked there in ancient Palestine. And it's his word to us today. And I would suggest to you that it is almost an exact corollary to what he, the story that he told in Matthew chapter 7 of the wise and foolish builders about hearing and obeying. What Jesus is suggesting to us is to hear and obey is to repent and believe. That, those two things go hand in hand with each other. So I'd like to spend some time today just thinking about what does it mean to receive that message that Jesus gave then in, Mark, in the original hearing in Mark chapter 1 and that he's giving up to us today as he calls for us to repent and believe. Before we go any further, I'd like to just take a moment and pray before we dive into that repent and believe. 
Father God, we just pray that you would help us to see. Help us to see our lives in a different way today. Help us to see our lives in the context of the invasion, the divine invasion that was the incarnation, the life of Jesus, his ministry, his teaching. We open up our hearts, Lord, to you, to be our teacher today, to change us, to make us into the people that you want us to be. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Life is happening, going along in our lives, just like those ancient Israelites were. Jesus invades it. He invaded their life, and he invaded my life, and he's invading your life with this message. Repent and believe. To understand that, I would like to just encourage us to consider something known as uh, a learn the learning circle, which is built off this this phrase that Jesus uses, repent and believe the good news. I didn't design it. It's something that a ministry organization called 3DM designed. And I, help, I think it gives us a framework of really what does it mean? How do we understand that, that message that Jesus is giving to us when he says to us, repent and believe the good news? The word repent is actually means to, to change one's mind, to change one's way of thinking. It implies like a turnaround doing a 180, doing a U-turn, turning from your one orientation and embracing something else. As we, as we think about that idea of repentance and turning from, maybe it's helpful to just see that, that side of that repentance side of the learning circle as us trying to answer the question, what is God saying to me? So I would encourage us to begin to like, even Observe that by trying to, de to describe it, you know, ob observe that. What is that that God is actually trying to say to me? And, and reflect on that. Like allow ourselves to think about that, that idea. What is God saying? When God's saying this to me, this, this overarching message of repent and believe in, and then I would suggest to you that every message, every Kairos moment can be processed in this context of repent and believe because I believe that what God is always trying to do is he's trying to bring his news to us for our lives, into our lives, for us to receive it and live it. That's always good news. So God's always bringing to us this message, repent, turn from your way, embrace my way. So we begin on that, on that right side of the learning circle, answering the question, what is God saying to me? I try to observe that by describing that. Literally, maybe I, I want to jot a note to myself. I want to write it down and I want to reflect about that. What's in, within this What's going to change about my life? I, I would suggest to you that what's going to, that there is actually going to be an upgrade to your life if you allow yourself to walk around this learning circle. And maybe you can begin to, to, to think about, well, what's the upgrade? So you, you, so you observe what's happening here. What is God saying to me? You reflect. And then I would encourage you as we, as we come down kind of at the end of that repentance side of the learning circle, that we, that we discuss it with others. We discuss it in community. We ask people for, for feedback. We, we look for prayer. We look for confirmation. That's why we are continually, continually encouraging uh, you to be involved in community where you can, where there's a, for, a forum for you to discuss um, these, this, this message that God has for your life in the context of living with other brothers and sisters so that there's, there's great wisdom in the counsel of the family of God.
So that right side of the learning circle, I'm trying to answer the question, what is God saying to me? And I do that by, by describing what, what his message is to me, by reflecting on it and discussing it with others so that I can discover then how to move to that left side of the learning circle. And we don't, because we don't want to just stop on that mental processing side. We, we don't want to just start and stop on the repentance side, but there's something not only to turn from, but there's something to turn to. Jesus said, repent, turn from, but then believe. And though sometimes we think belief is all about intellectual assent, right? And we understand that we are saved by faith and, and what we believe, but uh, saving faith, biblical faith, is something more than intellectual assent. In fact, James says in chapter 2, verse 17, that if faith doesn't cause us to do something, it's dead. He says, in fact, that faith without deeds in verse 20 of that same chapter, chapter 2, is useless. And so we, when, we, when we consider what it means to believe, we are then answering the question, if the repentant side of the learning circle is, what is God saying to me? The belief side is, how do I obey him? Now that sounds a lot like what Jesus said in the parable of the two builders, right? The one who hears his words and obeys them. The one who hears his words and puts them into practice. That's the wise person. That's the person whose life will prevail in the storms because they built on the solid foundation. So the question for repentance is, what is God saying to me? The question for belief is, how will I obey him? So I have to begin to make a plan. What is he asking of me? What is God asking of me? What is he asking me to do? I also need a partner. I need accountability in that. I need someone who will encourage me, someone who will remind me of what my identity in Christ is, someone who will pray with me about God's message to me so that I don't just leave it in that ruminating kind of intellectual side, but I allow it to instead begin to impact the way that I live so that I am building on that solid foundation, so that I am living out, walking around the complete learning circle, so that I'm not only repenting, but I'm also believing, and that belief is being demonstrated by the fact that I'm taking action. So I begin to plan and answer the question, what is he asking of me? How will I obey him? I, I seek out partners and accountability, again, in community, who will, again, provide that encouragement and what God is calling for me and pray for me as I take those steps. And then the last thing to do there is I act. I take an action step to live in obedience. I would suggest to you that, that, that Jesus is inviting us into a life that oftentimes we would never choose for ourselves, but it's always the good news, the best news for us, because it's his way for us. So that learning circle, putting all those things together, the Kairos moment, the learning circle, Jesus' message of, of repent and believe, we see it as that's what discipleship is really all about. That's how we can really build on that solid foundation of obedience to the teachings of Jesus. Our life is uh, kind of progressing. And then we find ourselves at an online worship service. We find ourselves in a conversation about faith. And all of a sudden, we hear God's message to us. The Kairos moment happens. And Jesus, in that Kairos moment, is always inviting us to do the same thing. Repent, turn from something, and believe, turn to and do something. Believe, and allow that, to, that belief to so change your life that it actually changes how you live. 
So that that learning circle moves from repentance where we observe and reflect and discuss or discover all the way up through the belief side where we make a plan, where we uh, offer ourselves underneath accountability to others to partner with us in that. And then we actually act on that which we have said God is asking us to do. We need in that challenge. We need support. We need the, the presence of God in our life so that we can live out that calling that he has on our lives to be the people that he wants us to be. And who are the people that he wants us to be? Those people that he wants us to be are the ones who build on the solid foundation of obedience to the teaching of Jesus, who repent, turning from our normal orientation and turning to the divine orientation that he has for us to walk by faith in action, in obedience to the calling that he has on our life. You know, those Kairos moments, sometimes they're almost like speed bumps, are barely noticeable. Now, sometimes speed bumps are super noticeable, right? If we're going too fast or if they're really big. But sometimes it's, it's almost like a barely noticeable one. It's just a little, little jolt, little jar. And we kind of, it's, sometimes it's easy for us to miss. But then other times, they're not just speed bumps. They're actually like brick walls that we run into. They bring us to a dramatic stop. We recognize that God is trying to get our attention. And folks, I would suggest to you that every time God is trying to get your attention, he is inviting you into that very same thing that was the concise message of Jesus. Repent and believe the good news. In a moment, I'd like for us to pray together And as I pray, the words of my prayer are going to be on the screen. And if you sense that God, that you're having, in fact, one of those Kairos moments this morning, and that maybe, maybe even for the very first time, you sense God inviting you into a relationship with him through his son, that one mediator, that one who gave his life so that you could have a relationship with his father. And I'd invite you to pray along with me those words on the screen. God, thanks for stepping into our world and into my life. I recognize my personal need to turn from self, turn to you, and believe the good news, the good news of new and eternal life in Jesus. By faith, I receive him as Savior and ask for your help to live out that faith in obedience as a member of your kingdom and family. Hey, you know, if you prayed that prayer along with me, I'd love to hear about it. Uh, We'd love to celebrate with you and just provide any support that might help you grow in your relationship with Jesus. Maybe you have questions, you wanna talk to someone further about what it means to receive Jesus as Savior, uh, please contact us. Uh, go to cbcjoy.org slash contact and that form that pops up when you go to there, uh, you can fill that out. Let us know how we can be of assistance and we'll make sure that we follow up with you.
You know, this whole idea of repent and believe, of walking around that learning circle, uh, that's what's going to happen in the context of these virtual life groups that we've, uh, we've launched. Uh, we recognize that, again, we were never designed to walk with Jesus alone. We're supposed to walk with others in community, in support, in nurture and accountability. And so the best way we believe for that to occur is to be in, in one of those groups where we can uh, provide that kind of feedback and encouragement and challenge and prayer support for one another so that we truly can be people who are building on that foundation of obedience to Jesus so that we truly can repent and believe and embrace that message of good news that he has for our lives. And so if you are in one of those VLGs, those virtual life groups, uh, we are praying that they would be truly transformational for you.